What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hey guys, before we start today's episode, I just want to talk a little bit about one of my new favorite products. You guys have probably seen it like all over the place. It's called Liquid IV. Um, I absolutely love it. This is not sponsored, but they did give me a 25% affiliate code, Shelly Metling. And with that, you guys can get 25% off. So if you're already a Liquid IV drinker, now you can get 25% off. Or if you're wanting to start drinking Liquid IV, cool. I basically love to drink it because I feel like the older busier I get uh, the less water I drink so this helps me feel a little bit better as my favorite product is the hydration multiplier I like the acai berry and I also like the immune boosting one I think it's tangerine Um, those are my two favorites I've heard great things about the strawberry lemon lime not my fave just a heads up but basically the hydration multiplier is a natural drink mix and it's like I said powered by CTT to deliver hydration to your bloodstream faster and more efficiently than water alone. So you just take one stick, you pour it into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration as two to three bottles of water alone. And it also contains five essential vitamins and three times more electrolytes than sports drinks. So again, not sponsored. Product I absolutely love. Wanted to share it with you guys. Affiliate code Shelly Metling will give you 25% off. So thanks for listening. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We have Liz Davis on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Liz, I am just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Well, good morning, Shelly. Well, I'm Liz Davis. Um, I'm from a fairly small rural town in Kansas. Um, I'm 23 years old, just to kind of add some background into the story. Um, I married my high school sweetheart, um, in April of 2018, we eloped to Vegas, and um, we just kind of, off the bat, um, we didn't really plan on having children, but we decided um, while we were in Vegas, actually, that we weren't going to prevent pregnancy. Um, we decided we were just going to go all in for it, and um, we got pregnant right away. Um, I don't have, and I, I don't mean to be um, rude to any women out there who do have fertility struggles, but that's just not part of my story. Um, I'm a fertile myrtle, um, uh, so we got pregnant right away, um, and my first daughter, Dallas, was born January 15th of 2019. Um, the pregnancy went perfect, um, an amazing, easy birth, relatively. I don't know if birth is ever really that easy, but um, everything went perfect, and we we were in love with her, uh, still are, but um, when she was about three months old, uh, we just had a wild hair, which is, which I don't recommend this to anybody now, <laughs> but we had a wild hair and we decided we weren't going to prevent pregnancy. Like we loved our daughter so much. So we were like, you know, if it happens again, then it just happens. Um, so, I mean, we had a wild hair. We only had unprotected sex once. That was it. Um, and that was in April of 2019. So this was, like I said, it was very early on after having our first. Um, well, in, come May of 2019, I tested, um, and it was negative. And I, I remember feeling kind of disappointed. Like I didn't want another one yet, but, um, but I still was disappointed that we weren't having one. Um, well, um, about a week after that, um, uh, you know, my sisters were getting together. We were going to go out for pho. We were going to have a great night out, have some drinks. I love doing that with my sisters. Um, so it's like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not pregnant, but I'm going to go ahead and test just to make sure. Um, so I, you know, I tested right before we went out to have supper together and, and it was positive. And I was like, oh my God, like I have (laughs) a three month old baby and and here I am, I'm pregnant again. Um, like that didn't take long at all. (laughs) And, And it wasn't even during my fertility window, anything like that. Like I really, I have no idea how it happened, but it just happened. Um, so, um, yeah, tested positive that night. And I just remember 
looking at that test and just like trying to hold in my excitement scream because um, I didn't want to tell anybody at the time. Um, but I also remember just feeling this weird like gut feeling that, you know, like what if I have a miscarriage, which was weird because with my first, I had never thought about that at all. And I've heard from a lot of women on these stories that they get kind of that intuitive feeling right off the bat that this isn't going to work out. And I don't know why, but it's not going to. Um, so I just had that thought, but I kind of shoved it away. I was like, I'm going to go out with my sisters. I'm going to have so much fun. And we did. Um, so I kind of put that in my pocket and um, we told my in-laws first off. And then we told um, my kind of adoptive parents, we told them pretty soon. Um, I had to have only been four or five weeks at the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, things were good. I just, like I said, had that nagging feeling in the back of my head. Um, but I still tried to take care of myself. You know, I tried to eat well. Um, I was still getting up with my first daughter fairly frequently in the night and stuff. So that was a little bit of a struggle because, um, as you may know, um, first trimester, you are exhausted all the time. Um, but I still tried to eat well, tried to take care of myself. I did prenatal yoga, things like that. Um, I just took it easy and I just tried to enjoy it. Um, but then came June 6th of 2019. Um, I woke up to go to work and everything like that. And I mean, I just felt weird. I don't know how to describe it. Like not bad, not sick, just weird. Um, so it's like, you know, it's, it's whatever. I mean, I'm pregnant. Everything's weird at this point. Um, I'm going to go to work and I went to work. Everything was fine. Nothing felt different. I mean, I had a few, what I thought were like period cramps, but I wasn't spotting, um, nothing was really happening. So I, I thought this is fine. I mean, it's probably implantation cramping stuff like that. I know now it's probably um, was too late at that point because I was seven weeks along or close to it. Um, but that's just in my head. That's how I tried to write it off as something like that. Um, so I went through work, everything was fine. And then um, in the evening, I noticed after I went to the bathroom and I wiped that there was a little tiny, like the tiniest smidgen of pink and alarm bells went off. I was like, oh, whoa, 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 this isn't right. I didn't spot it all with my first. This can't be right. I mean, it's not, it's way too late for it to be any kind of implantation spotting. If it was, it would be brown. Um, I just, I just remember feeling like the blood in my veins was freezing up. Um, besides the faintest tinge of pink, nothing was happening. And I remember my husband was at work at the time and I just remember texting him, like, what do I do? What if I'm having a miscarriage? Um, and he's like, no, you're fine. Nothing's happening. So I tried to kind of take that to heart. He's kind of my rock and he balances out my crazy pretty well. Um, so I tried to just take it as him wanting to calm me down um, because I was probably being irrational. I was over at my in-laws at the time during this and, and I just didn't want to say anything. They were having an event going on and I was like, you know, this is fine. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to leave. It's nothing. I'm sure this happens to plenty of women. And I was Googling like crazy at the time and I was like, oh yeah, this definitely, it, it happens to other women too. It's got to be fine. Um, and then actually it stopped after a while. And so I was like, okay, this is fine. We, I, I totally freaked out over absolutely nothing. Um, so I went to bed and everything like that, got my daughter ready in her crib, put her to bed. I went to bed. Um, and I got up, I think this was June 7th at this point. I was up at about 1250 ish at night. Um, and again, I just, I felt weird. I felt crampy weird. I'm like, I don't like this. Um, I went to the bathroom and everything, I mean, it just felt fine. And then I got up to flush and and the bowl was just full of red. And I was alone because my husband works nights. Um, luckily my brother was staying with us at the time. Um, but I just remember feeling you know, like, what do I do at this point? Cause I, I knew, I mean, there's just no way you can bleed that much and have your baby survive. That's, it has to be medically impossible. Um, I just remember sitting on the bathroom floor, just, I wasn't sobbing at this point. Um, 
but I think I just, I was just so full of panic. Um, and about that time, my husband did get home from work and found me on the bathroom floor. And I just remember him saying like, what's wrong, baby, what's wrong? And I've never heard his voice crack like that. I've never heard the fear like that in my life. I've never heard him sound like that. And I, I pray and I hope I never, ever do again. I just remember saying, you know what I did. You know what I did. I miscarried. And I just remember him falling on the floor and just in panic. Just, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. So we had to get, I had to get dressed. Um, at that point, I think I, I didn't even have underwear or anything on. I was just sitting on the bathroom floor, just freaking out. Um, so um, we had my brother come and, and watch our daughter while we went to the ER. About this time, it's about 1, 1.30 at night. Um, we get to the ER, and, and immediately I notice it's just empty, pretty much. I mean, there's maybe one other person there, and she doesn't look like she's in pain. Nothing's really going on, and I just keep thinking, okay, thank God. Like, they'll get us back soon. Um, and I remember talking to the receptionist, and she just was so cold. And I know that the ER is probably not the best place to have um, a soft heart like mine. Um, so I know that she was just doing her job. She probably sees a lot of trauma. And, um, and she was used to it at that point, but it just felt cold. And I just remember saying, I'm having a miscarriage. And she just looks at me with the blankest face and was like, well, how far along are you? And I said, seven weeks. And she, I remember she took down some notes and, and was just, okay, have a seat. And I thought that was so weird. I'm like, I'm, I'm bleeding everywhere at this point. It's not dripping down my legs or anything, but it's like, I could feel that I'm bleeding a lot. And I just, I don't know, for some reason, I just thought they would take me back as soon as they could, but they made us wait about another 30 minutes um, before they took us back. And I remember the triage nurse asking me questions about, um, about my pain level and stuff like that. And, and fortunately for me, like I didn't, I didn't really have any pain. And I know a lot of women talk about having awful, awful labor during their miscarriage, but I didn't fortunately. And I just remember the, the triage nurse also looked like she was just kind of dismissing me um, because I wasn't in pain. I just was sobbing, trying to answer her questions, but because I wasn't on a 10 on the, the pain scale, then I didn't really matter. So I got booted back out into the waiting area. My husband and I sat there and I just sobbed. They finally got us back. And I, I know a lot of other women have this experience too, but the ER staff, most places, is just absolutely horrid. And I know that you have to have a hard heart to work, not a hard heart, but you know, I have to not be so sensitive to work in places like that. But she was absolutely terrible. We got back in a room and I remember sitting there and she hands me this cup and says, well, you have to pee in the cup. We have to take a pregnancy test. And I just remember kind of looking at her and I was like, I like I called and the, all these hospitals are connected. Um, they're the same. Um, I don't know how I say this, but they're all kind of they're all the same um, company that owns them. Um, and I just kind of remember thinking, like, I made an appointment for, like at nine or ten weeks um, like, do you not have that in my system, in the system that I have called and I've made an appointment to see my OB because I'm pregnant? Like, you think I'm lying? Like in my head, that's what I thought. I'm like, you really think I'm lying about this, that I'd be pregnant? Like, do you really want to make me take a pregnancy test right now? And I know now that it was just to cover their bases, but, um, I just remember looking at her and I just broke down and I was like, I am bleeding so much. Please, please do not make me take this pregnancy test. Please don't make me pee in this cup. And I remember her just giving me this look and almost rolling her eyes. And she said, we won't do anything until you take this test. We can't. So you either take it or we'll figure something else out. You can go home. So I took the test or the, the cup and I went into the bathroom and I peed in the cup. And I just remember there's just, and I don't know how it happened. Uh, 
but I just remember, you know, trying to get the cup and get, get my pee in it. And I, I looked at it and there's just blood swirling all over in there. And I, I don't know. Um, but I got blood all over the bathroom floor and I'm, I was embarrassed at the time. Um, just, it was a horror scene in there. Like there was blood everywhere. Like I, uh, I even after giving birth, there was nothing that horrid that I had, I mean, I've never bled like that in my life. Um, there was blood everywhere. And I remember coming to the nurse and I kind of handed her the test. I was so angry that she had made me pee in that cup. Um, and I was like, I am so sorry, but there is blood all over in the bathroom. And she was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I just, I don't know. For some reason, I just felt like I was being shrugged off the whole night. Um, but we just sat in that room, what felt like forever. It was probably 30 minutes. Um, we sat in the room and I just remember sobbing and sobbing. At this point, I bled through my pants. Um, I hadn't had a pad on when I left the house because I wasn't bleeding that much when I left the house. Um, I didn't have a pad on. We lived 45 minutes away from the hospital. So, um, I, I mean, it's not like I could send my husband home to grab me something. Um, so I'm bleeding through my shorts. I'm bleeding onto the, the exam table, all kinds of things. And I, I just remember him, my husband, trying to tell me, you know, like, it's okay. It's okay. At this point, he's calmed down a little bit. Um, and I just remember looking at him because this is the same hospital that I had given birth to my daughter in. And I remember looking at him and being like, they don't give a shit when your baby's dead. They don't give a shit. I had the greatest experience when I went in to give birth to my first daughter. But as soon as I come in for a miscarriage, we're treated like shit. They don't care when your baby's dead. I just remember saying that so many times. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> Eventually, the nurse came back in and said, well, yeah, your test was positive. But we're going to draw some blood and we're going to go ahead and check your HCG levels there. And I was kind of angry at that. I, I know they need to take a pregnancy test, but I know that they could have also seen the HCG in my blood by just drawing my blood, which I would have much rather done than, than trying to pee in a cup while I'm gushing blood everywhere. Um, so they draw blood and, and um, she finally gets me a pair of the disposable underwear that they give you after you give birth. And so, so I finally got a pair of those. Thank God. Cause at this point I was bleeding everywhere. I remember I got my underwear and I just threw them in the trash, like my actual underwear. I threw them away. Like there was no point. Uh, they were absolutely saturated. Um, and, um, so she got me a pair of those and then they're like, well, you know, we need, since you did test positive, you know, you are pregnant. Um, we need to send you back for an ultrasound. Um, I was like, okay, whatever, we need to do this. At this point, I hadn't had an appointment. Um, the hospitals here don't usually see you until you're about eight to 10 weeks. And I was scheduled to go in at 10 weeks. So at this point, I had not seen anything. I hadn't heard a heartbeat. I had had nothing at this point. So um, I was kind of not excited, but a little bit, I guess, um, to finally get an ultrasound. And, and hopefully, I knew my, at this point my baby was gone, but I wanted to at least have something left because at this point all I had of my baby was a positive pregnancy test at home that was it that's all I had um so um it's late at night and um she said well you know for security reasons your husband can't come back with you um at that I mean at this point I'm just I'm hysterical pretty much I mean I'm sobbing I, I just want to go home so it's like, whatever whatever we need to do let's go get the ultrasound so we can get something done so they wheel me back into pretty much the opposite end of the hospital. Um, and um, the, the ultrasound tech was, I think he was pretty new. Um, he couldn't have been much older than me or at least was around the same age as me. So um, he just seemed like he was super inexperienced and stuff. And he was like, well, okay, we need you to go to the bathroom before we do this and all of that. So I tried to do that. It was just, at this point, there were just clots coming. Um, and it's, it's probably gross to say, but I did look. I, I, I wanted to see if I could see my baby. I knew that my baby at that point was going to be about the size of a blueberry. And I knew it was probably impossible 
I either passed them already or I would never find them in the mess that I was leaving. But I looked, I wanted to find them. I wanted to see them. It felt absolutely cruel to flush them down the toilet, but I forgive myself for that now. I mean, there's no way I could have found that tiny baby in the mess that I was making. Uh, so I went to the bathroom and he tries to do the abdominal ultrasound. Um, and he, of course, since I'm not very far along, he's like, well, I can't see anything. And he's like, well, I have to do a transvaginal ultrasound. At that point, I'd never had one, but I'd given birth before. So um, it was like nothing was really too crazy at that point. Like, you know, everything's pretty much happened. I have no privacy left. Um, it was whatever. But I remember just, and I was like, he's like, you know what that is, right? And I just kind of looked at him and he's like, that's where we stick the wand up your, and he kind of gave me a look like he was so embarrassed to say that. And I'm just, I was like, whatever, let's do it. Uh, I don't know why, but at this point I was just angry. I was so pissed. I was like, what is this asshole doing in here? Trying to give me an ultrasound when obviously he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, which he really wasn't that bad. But at the time, I just remember my anger just bubbling up and I just felt so mad that he just seemed so unprofessional. Um, so he had to go and get, um, trying to think of the word, had to have somebody in there to watch. Um, so a, a, a woman nurse came in and, and sat um, and made sure obviously nothing was hap else was happening while he was giving me the ultrasound. So he gave me the transvaginal ultrasound. Um, and I know a lot of women say that they turn the screen away and things like that, but I'm so fortunate that he was inexperienced that he didn't turn the screen away and I got to watch. Um, and I remember seeing the sack in there and it was empty and I knew it wasn't supposed to be, but it was. But even that visual didn't hurt so much as um, he turned on the sound and I could hear a heartbeat. And I had a little bit of hope for a second, but. I realized it was way too slow because it was mine. There was only one heartbeat and it was mine. Um, and I just remember at that point sobbing because I knew if, if we couldn't hear a heartbeat, even if we couldn't see the baby, things could be fine, but there was no heartbeat. There was no way that my baby was alive or even there at this point. Um, so he finishes up with the ultrasound. And I just remember him pulling the wand out and it is just covered in blood. And um, at that point, I threw my disposable underwear away, and I just remember asking, can you please, please bring me another pair? I, like, I want to have at least this little shred of something left, you know, I don't want to keep bleeding on the table right now, like, I need, I need underwear, please. And they're like, okay, we'll get you something. So they go out of the room, and he comes back about five minutes later, and just kind of shrugs, and he's like, well, we couldn't find any underwear. This is a weird spot of the hospital to have that, so you're just going to have to go back over to the ER. Um, so they wheeled me down, and I'm naked from the waist down, and I just, I mean, I had a sheet over me, but I just remember feeling like so humiliated, because at least when you are giving birth and things like that, they try to keep you covered for the most part to give you at least that little shred of dignity, but it just felt, it felt so humiliating to to be like that in that moment. Um, so they go, take me back to the ER. This is a different room at this time. Um, and a nurse practitioner comes in. Um, and I know she was trying to be nice. I, at the time though, I, oh God, I hated her so much. Um, she came in and she was saying, well, I'm so sorry, kiddo. And she said, well, you're gonna be okay, kiddo. And I just remember her using the word kiddo over and over and over again. Um, Oh God, I hated that. Like at this point, I'm a fucking adult. I have a daughter at home. I have my husband here with me. It's in the middle of the night. I'm having a miscarriage. Don't call me kiddo. Like, don't. I'm sorry. Don't. Like, that's shitty. I'm a fucking adult. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that just, that sticks with me to this day. Just her calling me kiddo over and over again. Um, and she said, you know, she was talking to me about a bunch of things, and I, I was kind of just, I was only half listening at this point, um, but um, I remember asking, she's like, well, what do you need? Do you need anything? I was like, God, I just need a glass of water, 
at this point, I've been crying so long that I'm dehydrated. I need a glass of water, please. And she said, well, no, we can't give you a glass of water. They're prepping for surgery. And I kind of looked at her. I was like, surgery? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody at this point has told me I'm having any kind of surgery. And I just was like, what kind of surgery am I having? Like, what is going on? And she said, well, we're going to prep you to have a DNC. At this point, I had no idea what a DNC was. For all my Googling miscarriage, I had no idea. Uh, and I said, well, what is a DNC? And I just kind of like looking her in the eyes, like, you need to tell me. I'm not a kiddo. Tell me what the hell's going on. And she just kind of, I mean, she didn't, she didn't know how to explain it. And I think that this is absolutely unprofessional. But she's like, well, it's cervical surgery. And um, we're just going to go in and clean everything up. Like, that's what she said. Like, she couldn't tell me exactly what they were going to do. Um, but I was like, well, like, I don't want to have surgery. Like, no, no, no. Something else needs to be done. And she's like, well, an OB is on the way. Um, and he can talk to you more about your options. But at this point, we're going to go ahead and plan to have a surgery, emergency DNC. Um, so, I mean, we waited for the OB to get there. That was another about 30 minutes. And that, during that time, they were taking swabs and things like that. And that was horrific. And her calling me kiddo the whole time did not make me any happier about it. Um, so an OB finally got there. And I just want, if he ever hears this or somebody who knows him personally, but Dr. Scrafford, um, had to be the most kind and amazing human being in that entire ER. And to this day, I just am so thankful he was there. Um, but he looked me in the eyes and he actually treated me like a real person who could make her own decisions. And he looks at me and he says, well, do you want to go ahead with the surgery? He's like, I think it'd be the best option the way that you're bleeding. Um, he's like, well, are you, are you still going through more, a pad, more than a pad in an hour? And at this point, I had slowed down significantly, significantly bleeding. Um, I mean, I would say it was a light period at most. Like it was, it was hardly anything compared to the gushing that I had been. Um, and I told him that and I was like, well, you know, I, I really slowed down and, and I, I've never had any surgery ever in my entire life. And I don't want this to be the first one. And I just remember him looking at me and he said, what do you want to do? And that's the first time anybody had ever asked me that the whole time I've been there. And I said, I want to go home. <laughs> and so he said, okay, we will do a pelvic exam and then we're going to send you home. And that's what we did. Um, we get out to the car and my husband calls his parents and I remember talking to him, talking to them. And he said, well, you know, nobody at this point had ever come out and said I'd had a miscarriage. The OB had said, well, you know, we suspect that you're having a miscarriage, but of course they never, they never actually told me I was. Um, so my husband's trying to reiterate that to his parents and he's saying, you know, like, well, they think she's having a miscarriage. And I just remember snapping at him. Like I was so pissed. I snapped at him and I was like, you know, I'm having a miscarriage. I don't care if they think so. I'm having one. Um, and I was just so angry. I was so tired too. I, we'd been up all night. It's about seven in the morning at this point. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, it was around there. Um, when we get home, you know, my brother's there and everything like that. I'd stopped crying a while ago. Um, so that was, I mean, it was better just to have myself composed in front of him a little bit. So we come inside and my husband and I were like, look, can you watch our daughter? We just need to sleep. Cause at this point, neither one of us had slept in so long. Um, so we went to sleep and everything like that. And I remember getting up and just hitting me all over again. And I sat on the couch and just remember just crying. And at this point, my brother had left and I, I needed to watch my daughter, but at the same time, I just, I didn't want to, like, that was the last thing I wanted to do was try to take care of this little human being. So thankfully the in-laws came and or my mother-in-law did, and she made some chicken noodle soup and everything like that. Um, I don't think I've ever properly thanked her for that. Um, I remember her just saying, you know, like, you could stay in your room. I don't care what you do, whatever. I don't want to talk. I won't talk to you about it. We'll just come in. I'll make you some food and I will leave. And that was the best thing, honestly, because at that point I wasn't ready to talk about anything. Um, so she made chicken noodle soup and she took our daughter and they kept her overnight. 
Um, we had to call um, other people that we told and we had to tell them that we lost the baby. I remember I had to te text my boss because at this point I, it, it was a Friday. So I had taken off work because I told my boss, you know, we were going to go in and check on the baby just because I was feeling weird the day before. But I had to text her and tell her we'd lost the baby. Um, and she was super sweet about it, too. But, um, but yeah, my husband had to go to work Friday evening. And he was just like, well, I can't, I don't think I can take off. So he had to go into work. But he eventually came back at probably maybe five o'clock. He goes in at three thirty and came back at four or five o'clock. He's just I know he's absolutely emotionally just done. He's he's so tired. He just looks at me and he's like, I I couldn't stay. Um he talked to his boss and told his boss what was happening and his boss sent him home and I just remember my husband looking at me and said, Well, I asked about bereavement leave, but they can't give it to me unless there's a death certificate. And I wish, I hope to God someday that changes. Because my baby wasn't issued a death certificate, my husband couldn't take bereavement leave. Um, not that it's that long anyway, it's three days, but three days is better than nothing. Um, so we pretty much just slept the rest of that evening, and I just, I don't remember a ton in the days after. Um, but I just remember that pretty clearly, um, him just being like, there's no death certificate. There's nothing. So life goes on. Um, miscarriage doesn't pay the bills. So I went back to work on Tuesday after miscarrying on a Friday. Um, I went back to work. Um, my boss and my supervisor were really nice about it. Uh, after I should have been eight weeks, my supervisor had me help with some field work. I'm a soil conservation technician, so we spend a lot of time outside. Um, so we were going to check out a field uh, for a farmer, and um, he we he took me to lunch and stuff like that too. After that, and and that was the first time I'd like smiled or felt good in that entire week. Um, and I just. I really appreciated that. And so I texted him after work and I told him, I was like, you know, I appreciate you helping me feel a little bit better today. Um, and he messaged me back and said, you know, my wife and I have been through that too. Um, and he said, you know, if you need anybody to talk to, I'm always here. And I just think that's amazing for, for a man to reach out like that because they do grieve miscarriages differently than women do. Um, most of them anyway. And to have him reach out and understand the pain I was going through meant a lot. Um, but yeah, so life pretty much went on at this point. It's summer, it's my favorite season. Um, but I mean, things just weren't the same. I was, I was so angry all the time. Um, and I remember, and this is something I haven't really talked to anybody about. Um, I'm trying not to any my family or anybody who's listening. I um, I don't want anybody to be concerned because this is in the past now. But I remember driving when I would drive home from work. Sometimes I would just think about, you know, I wonder if somebody from the oncoming lane would veer out of their lane and hit me and I'd die. You know, that would make me feel better. I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to be alive either at that point. Um, the only thing that really kept me going was I knew that it would absolutely crush my husband and, and that my daughter really needed me to. Um, but I just remember feeling like dying would just feel so much better than the hell I was living. Um, I'm a, I'm a fairly, I'm a very religious person. I would pray all the time at this point. Um, but after I lost my baby, um, I didn't talk to God for months, and that was the weirdest thing. I just, I couldn't, I was so angry at him for letting my baby die, and it, I don't know how to explain it. Um, you know, it was kind of like a, a child who was angry at their parent, and, you know, just didn't understand why their parent was doing the things that they were doing, but, you know, it's not like my you know, God was trying to hurt me or anything like that, 
but it just it felt that way it felt like he was letting me down um and I remember thinking nasty things I would think you know like well this woman's pregnant she just announced it on Facebook and she's pregnant out of wedlock how does she deserve her baby more than I deserve mine and I just and it's so hateful to say but I thought things like that all the time or I would think, well, you know, she's probably not that good of a mom. Why is she pregnant now? And, and it's so horrible. But that is what I thought at the time. Um, and I've heard some other women say that they were angry like that, too. Um, so I feel a bit better about that now. But I just, I look back and I just am overwhelmed with how angry I was. Not just sad, but angry. Angry that things were happening the way that they were. So I didn't talk to God for a long time, and I remember eventually coming around because I knew that I needed him in my life, and I couldn't get through it without him, but I was just still so heartbroken. I felt like a child who'd been spanked and, and didn't understand why, but, but still wanted to go to their parents, still wanted to talk to them, um, just needed them there. And I remember one evening out praying, finally talking to God and uh, it's evening and the sun is set and the lightning bugs are coming out. They're everywhere. And it's absolutely beautiful. The wind was just so beautifully calm. And like I said, the lightning bugs were everywhere and they were just glowing and it was just perfect. I felt like a little kid at this point, my baby was asleep in her crib. So I went out and my husband was at work, of course, but I went out and I, I caught some lightning bugs and I just watched them for a while. You know, I'd let them go and watch them take blood off my hands. And and I remember all of a sudden just sobbing because I knew at that moment my baby was there with me. And I don't know. I don't know if I could ever explain that to anybody else. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. My baby was physically gone, but their spirit was still there with me. Um, and that, that evening just sticks in my mind, even after all this time. And I hope it always does because it was perfect. Um, yeah. Um, so life goes on, of course. Um, there was a woman at a different office. Um, so I work for USDA. Um, that's all I'm going to say for that. Um, but, um, there was a different office in a nearby town and I went there to help another conservation technician work on a project. And there was, like I said, there was a woman pregnant in that office. Um, and she was gone this day that I was there. Um, but a customer came in that had some things for this woman and she was like, well, look at this blanket I made because this woman, Chloe is her name, was having a boy. Um, look at this blanket I made for Chloe, this customer says, and she's holding it out, and it's this beautiful blue blanket, um, and I just remember being so, it's so weird looking back, just overwhelmed with joy, and I was like, wow, like, that's, that makes me so happy um, to see somebody, you know, taking care of somebody else's baby like that, like, before they're even born, being so kind like that, and as soon as that customer left, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I felt like I couldn't breathe, and I just kept thinking, you know, like, <laughs> I had really hoped my baby was going to be a boy. Um, I had to run to the bathroom and lock myself in the bathroom and cry, and I, I hope that other technician, um, I hope he didn't see that, because that, I, I don't know, to me, that was just something that I had to feel by myself. So I cried in the bathroom for a little bit, um, but I remember that pretty clearly, too, that stupid blue blanket. Um, I didn't, we didn't want another baby, but at this point, um, I felt like I really wanted another one. When we had gotten pregnant, I didn't, I, I didn't want another one yet. I mean, I would have been okay with it, but I didn't really want one yet. Um, but at this point I was pretty desperate and I remember just begging my husband, like, we should try now, we should try. And we had a cruise scheduled for in December. So he was like, you know, we can't you have to be under a certain weeks to go on a cruise. So we're not going to try it. So, you know, we held off for quite a while. Um, so we go on the cruise in December. We tried for a baby that first week of December. Um, 
And um, as a result, um, obviously nothing is TMI here. So as a result, I got a UTI of all the sex we were having um, to try for a baby. And I have always been good with UTIs, but for whatever reason, this one actually turned into a kidney infection and I had to go and get antibiotics for it. Um, and I was, I was in the uh, emergency care, um, the nurse, and this is another absolutely amazing medical worker that I have to talk about. Um, she was so kind, you know, and she comes to see me and she's talking to me and she says, you know, is there any chance she could be pregnant? And at this point, I'll think, well, I hope so. But um, I said, yes, you know, there's a chance. She says, okay, well, you know, we have to get a test and everything because we have to give you the right antibiotics if you're pregnant. Um, so she goes out after I'd peed in a cup, whatever. Um, so she goes out and, and takes the test and comes back and says, I'm so sorry, but it, it looks like it's negative. You're not pregnant. Um, and she was so sweet about it. And then she just kind of, she looks me in the eyes and she says, I've seen on your chart that the last time you were in, um, for any treatment was for a miscarriage in June. Um, are you trying for a baby? And I said, well, yeah we're trying again. And she says, okay, even though your test was negative, I'm going to give you the antibiotics that are safe for pregnant women. Um, and she just kind of looked at me and she smiled. She's like, it might be too early still. So I don't want you to give up hope. Uh, yeah, I just remembered that was honestly so sweet. Um, so yeah, even to this day, I remember her and her kindness. Um, yeah, so about a few days later on a cruise, docked in Mexico, um, I took a test in that really tiny cruise bathroom, and, and it was positive. I was pregnant again. Um, but I wasn't near as excited about this one as I was with my first, or even with the second that I'd miscarried. At this point, we had named our miscarried baby Charlie. Um, so we weren't as excited about this baby as we were about our first, or for Charlie. Um, yeah, and I just, like I said, remember being so angry, even at this point, I was still angry, even knowing I was pregnant with my rainbow, still angry. Um, <laughs> and I'm embarrassed to say, um, but we went, um, <clears throat> we went in to get our 10 week ultrasound and stuff like that. And at this point it was January of 2020. Um, before, before COVID kind of took over everything in my area. Um, and I remember coming in and, you know, this is my first appointment. I'm like, thank God. Like I have so much anxiety because I don't know if my baby is even alive at this point. I had no reason to believe that they weren't, but you know, miscarriage makes you think some absolutely crazy things. Um, so I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm, I'm just like going to be so relieved to see my baby finally. And the receptionist calls me up and she says, I'm so sorry, but your OB is out, you know, giving somebody an emergency C-section. And I just remember snapping at this receptionist. I usually try to be a polite Midwest person, you know, <laughs> and I just remember snapping at her and just being so angry at her. And I've never been like that to anybody, but I did snap at her and I was like, well, I need to see this baby. I need to go in today. I have to go in today. Um, and I was like, well, you know, there's another doctor in here that kind of fills in for her sometimes. And she said, no, that's only if you're late in your pregnancy and you have to be seen. He doesn't do this for first appointments or anything like that. By the way, that OB that fills in was Dr. Scrafford, the amazing man who helped me during my miscarriage. Um, but I really wanted to see him because I was like, at this point, I just need to see my baby. Um, they're like, well, you know, we can reschedule you. This was on a Wednesday. We can reschedule you for Friday. Um, come in then. And I just remember being just so upset because I just couldn't wait any longer to see my baby, but, but I had to. Um, and you know, the silly thing is, is everything was absolutely fine. Nothing, nothing bad was happening during this pregnancy. It was perfect. Um, I bought a Doppler, like a heartbeat Doppler, and I've seen you post about it sometimes. Um, I bought the same one and I used it as often as I could. I, I tried not to, to stress myself out and give myself anxiety, but um, I did use it as often as I could. Um, yeah, I caught myself saying a lot of things during that pregnancy. I said a lot of things like, 
if this baby is born or if this baby lives. And my husband was so angry at me for doing that, but I couldn't, I couldn't make that baby concrete in my life yet. Um, I didn't want to get too attached. Yeah. Um, I did forget to mention something that I think is incredibly important, uh, but a family member did pass away in December and uh, December of uh, last year, obviously. Um, and at that point, I this is after the cruise, so I knew I was pregnant and I just, I felt so guilty about being pregnant. I felt awful about it. And I realize now that that's survivor's guilt is what that was called, but I just felt terrible. I felt like I had the best secret ever, but I felt it was also the, the most hurtful one. Um, bringing in life when there had just been such a devastating loss. Um, but yeah, so I kept it to myself a lot more than I would have liked to. But um, yeah, I just remember feeling so guilty for being pregnant when there was so many sad things happening all around me. So yeah, pregnancy was going great. Um, I did request progesterone for my OB. Uh, just to kind of make sure everything was good. And and here's another thing that kind of ticks me off. So in contact with my OB's nurse, um, <laughs> I I asked for the progesterone because I'd just been doing some research on it. And I don't, we don't know what caused my miscarriage, probably a genetic defect since, I mean, I usually, I really have had no trouble since, but probably a genetic defect, but I wanted to be on the safe side. So I was like, no, I, I really want some progesterone and there's no adverse effects of taking it. Um, so I requested that and, and then the nurse messaged me back and said, you know, we don't give progesterone out unless we think you really need it. And usually that requires a blood test. Um, so I said, well, yeah, I'd like to get a blood test done so we can check my progesterone levels. And she messaged back and said, you know, we have really no reason to be concerned about that. We're not going to give you the test. Um, <laughs> which at this point I'm an anxious, just riled up mom. I'm still angry about everything. So I was like, you know, I really need this progesterone. It's not going to hurt anything if I take it. I already know that you can't argue that point. Um, why won't you at least just give me the test? And at that point, <laughs> the nurse messaged me back and said, we sent in the prescription, go, go pick it up. <laughs> I don't know why they argued with me about it for so long and then just gave up without even taking a test, blood test or anything at all. <laughs> just saying, here's, here's the pill, take them. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was absolutely ridiculous. <sighs> so pregnancy went perfect. Um, <laughs> my rainbow baby, Kimber, was born August 28th of 2020 exactly on her due date. She came all on her own. Um, and this is something I said, I haven't told my husband or anything about, but I remember pushing, you know, to try to get her out. And I remember pushing so hard because my epidural had worn off at this point. So I was feeling it. And I just, everything was so pent up. I was so much pain and I pushed and I hear her cry. And I just remember saying, thank you, Charlie, in my head even at that moment that my rainbow baby was born. My angel baby was still on my mind. And I knew that Charlie had been keeping their sibling safe that whole journey. So I just, yeah, remember in my head saying, thank you, Charlie, thank you. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so my rainbow baby was born and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it so doesn't good. get easier. <laughs> Rainbow babies don't, they help, but they don't <laughs> fix anything, <laughs> unfortunately. So for any, any mama who's expecting their rainbow, um, yeah, it makes things a little better, but you will always miss the baby that you never got to hold. Yeah. And that's where I'm at today. <laughs> How do you spell Charlie? Uh, C-H-A-R. L I E. Okay. Awesome. I just, I take notes. I just wanted to make sure I spelled it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, I mean, I love that. I think that's so cool <laughs> that Charlie was on your mind. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, that's amazing. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about them at all. But then, like, as I'm pushing my baby out in excruciating pain, then I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for being there. 
I love it. That's adorable. (laughs) I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, A theme throughout this whole thing has been kind of just my anger. Um, So I want to, I want to point out that you need to allow your loss to change you, but don't let it make you bitter. It's so easy to see other moms going through their perfect pregnancies who've never known loss like you. Um, and it's so easy to get angry at, at your own misfortune, but don't let your loss make you better. Let it change you. Let it make you a more compassionate and kind person. I hope that's what it's making me. Um, but yes, allow your loss to change you, but don't let it make you better. That's good. That's great. <laughs> Very good. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much for doing this. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, I have an Instagram. Um, it's private, but you can always message me. Um, that's Elizabeth underscore Davis 97. Or if you, um, I mean, I guess that's probably the only place. I say you could probably look for me on Facebook, but there's a million Elizabeth Davises, so good luck. I totally <laughs> just stalked you on Facebook, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I hope you found the right one. I, I think I did. I think I did. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at this creepy stuff. <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I, that's so funny. I'm gonna go ahead. <laughs> You have a friend right now, so it's not good. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing this. We all appreciate it. Congratulations. So happy well, you. that you have your rainbow baby. And yeah, amazing story of hope. <laughs> yeah, I just hope that, like I said, somebody else who is having their rainbow or wishes to just understands that it's not the end all be all, that you're always yeah. going to grieve. and. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just, yeah, totally. I was under that misconception, but Me too. I hope nobody Me else too. is. <laughs> I think we all are, but we realize. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much, Deli. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Thank you.